and good morning. Welcome to Bible study. Good to see you all here today. Another hot day in Johannesburg. Amen. Praise God. We're going to continue our uh, series called Principles for a Healthy Marriage. We've done three of these. Uh, there's going to be eight lessons uh, in total. But the purpose of this series is to help your marriage, whether you are married now or you will one day be married, because your marriage is going to be your most important human relationship you'll ever have. For most people, it will be the longest lasting relationship you'll ever have, and it will affect every part of your life. This affects your salvation, it affects your work, your finances, it's, it's, it's a, a universal uh, denominator. Hey, we get sound effects too, that's pretty cool. So, <clears throat> The truth about marriage is that it has the potential to be the source of your greatest joy and happiness and satisfaction in all of life. Uh, but the only way for that to happen is to have a happy or a healthy marriage. The Bible speaks much about marriage, thankfully, and so we're looking at eight principles that will help us build healthy marriages. So, uh, this morning, we're going to, lesson number four, the fourth principle is children can't come between you. And I'm going to, I'm going to mess with some of your, uh, thinking about life, but that's my job, and I'm good at it, and I rather enjoy doing that. So, children can't come between you. Let's get our text. It's Genesis 27, verses 1 through 10. Now it came to pass, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau, his, Asia, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and your bow, and, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love. And bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Re now, Rebecca, now Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to Esa, his son, and Esa went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, I, saying, indeed, I heard your father speaking to Esa, your brother, saying, bring me game and make Serbian food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice, two choice kids of the goats, and I will make Serbian food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. 
Okay, so we're going to take some time and explore this subject. Children can't come between you. First, let's uh, talk about the potential for division. Now, parenting is a common cause for division and strife between spouses, right? Parenting is a deeply emotional thing. If you don't understand that, it's because you're not a parent yet. You will feel things in parenting you have never felt before in any other area of life. And uh, there's many reasons, right? For some, your children, they are the embodiment of your hopes and dreams for the future. You know, you see families, that they're raising uh, their sons and daughters. You are the one. You're going to carry on the family name, right? You are the future. For some of us, your children are a reminder of your past, whether that's good or bad. But the point is there's emotion connected to this. Children are all at once, uh, and it depends on the, the time of day. They are seemingly helpless and incredibly independent, right? Isn't, isn't that amazing, right? When you try to help them, I'll do it, right? And then, th you know, 30 seconds later, mom, help. And so all of these things go into it. But more important than that, raising children, the act of parenting has the potential to drive a wedge between parents if they aren't careful. You know, it's fascinating. If you pay attention, what you'll learn about yourself and your spouse through the process of parenting. So, children have the ability to create division in a marriage. Now, there are many ways that can happen, but I'm going to focus on four uh, key areas where children will create division in a marriage. First is the, the most common, and that is division over discipline. Division over discipline. This is what you see in our scripture. Isaac and Rebekah obviously had entirely different views of discipline. Each one of them very clearly had a favorite child, right? Isaac's favorite was Esau. You come and you and now I'll bless you. Rebekah's favorite was Jacob. And they treated each child with favor or indulgence. Genesis 27 uh, verses 42 to 45. And the words of Esau were told to Rebekah. So she called Jacob and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts him concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Iran, and stay with him for a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him, then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be believed also for you both in one day? Okay, so her son does this thing. Of course, it was her idea, but it literally blows up the family. You know, that, that's a bad Sunday dinner when one of them turns the table over and says, I'm going to kill you. That's a rough day, right? And there is not a word of correction. Right? Of, of course, we understand this because it was her idea, right? All she's trying to do is protect him. And she thinks if she can just keep them separate for a few days or a few weeks, that this will all blow over and go away. On the other side, we have Isaac. Something you need to understand about this story in the Bible. We, we often misunderstand this. We think Isaac, you know, he is deceived. And so he gives the blessing to Jacob because of deception when the blessing should have gone to Isaac. But then he discovers, you know, 
Biblically, he had the power to reverse that. He could have called Jacob in and said, you dirty scoundrel, you lied to me. You don't get the blessing, it goes to your brother, but he doesn't. He, he refuses to bring any kind of correction or discipline. He literally tells his older son who gets robbed by the younger son, oh well, hey, you know, you know how he is, you know. Yeah, he's just like that sometimes. He stole all your money, you know. Uh, oh well, get over it. That's, that's literally how it goes. He had the power to reverse it, but he didn't. Here's a great picture. When parents don't agree or they, they're not on the same page in disciplinary issues, it is going to create crisis in the marriage. And now, obviously, for us, we're not dealing with issues like we see in our text, but we do see this in every single home when there is disagreement about discipline. This creates conflict or division in the marriage, right? Sometimes, uh, you know, one of the parents is trying to discipline the child, and the other says, no, no, no. Leave him alone. He didn't know what he was doing, right? Or you, uh, in front of the children, you complain or argue about how you discipline them. There's enormous potential for conflict uh, in the arena of discipline. Now, I'm going to talk at the end of my lesson how to uh, deal with this, but hey, these are just some of the things you have to be aware of. If you argue in front of your children about discipline, you are sowing the seeds of your marriage's demise and your children's destruction. Trust me, I've seen it. I've got enough experience in this, right? It's okay to have discussions about this. You and your spouse are going to disagree about discipline sometimes, but that should be done in private, right? You should never, hey, wait, wait, no, stop right there. I don't, I don't agree. I don't think that's okay. So sometimes in the home, uh, spouses, they contradict each other or they undermine them in arenas of discipline, right? If one spouse is seen as the soft or the easy one, then, of course, this creates the reality or the potential of conflict. So there is conflict in the marriage about discipline. Sometimes children can intentionally create conflict, Listen, I'm going to tell you something that you need to hear me and you need to believe me, whether you like it or not. Your children are sinners. And they're going to hell unless Jesus saves them. No, Pastor Heinrich. My children might one day become sinners if your preaching isn't good enough. No, no, no. They were born sinners, unregenerate, vile and twisted and perverse in their heart and their spirit. And if you disagree with that, you're not disagreeing with me, you're disagreeing with the Bible. They are sinners. Now, that usually doesn't manifest, you know, at two years old, you know, with a big cigar and a 40 ounce, right? But trust me, it's in there. And they are master manipulators. Children, I preached on Wednesday, I was talking about technology, right? But think about this, a little baby, right? If you give the, the little baby a phone when she's crying, she learns, I cry, and I get the screen. Listen, they also learn you. They have learned by the time they're a year or two old, they've learned the nuances of your personality. They know the ins and outs of the dynamic in your marriage and how things work. And they have learned how to manipulate you and how to use you. 
they will learn over time. They can't put this into words, but they understand that if mom and dad are united in anything, whether it's discipline or the rules or whatever, that it's much harder for them to get away with what they want to get away with. And so they will instinctively pit you against one another. Don't ever forget your children are sinners and they are manipulators. And so they will intentionally create division in the marriage, right? This can be done in very subtle ways most of the time, right? But your children will learn at a young age which parent is the most likely to say yes to any given request. Parents, have you noticed that? If you haven't, man, you are dumb. You just ain't paying attention. Because they know there's certain things, if I ask dad, he's not going to, but I know mom will say yes. And on, on the other side, they know there's certain things, mom absolutely no, but I'm sure dad will say yes. They also learn when to ask, right? For some people, for me, if I am distracted, my default response is always no. I say no to everything. I mean, there's been times, dad, can I breathe? No. And Rachel's like, why? No, I'm sorry, I don't know. What's the question? But other parents aren't like that. If you're distracted, you just say yes. Yeah, 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 fine. Just... And your children know that. And so they will learn how to work the system, right? Uh, then, of course, uh, they will learn in your marriage how the, the marriage interaction is. If one parent says no, they know that they might be able to go to the other one and, and pull on the heartstrings. Listen, dad's being so mean. What's going on? He doesn't, he doesn't love me anymore. And then mom's like, oh, come here, my baby. What is it that you want? Yes, I'll give it to you. Something you need to understand about parenting. Successful parenting is about so much more than getting the right answer. In other words, if your children ask you, can I do this, right? Success in parenting isn't just coming to the right conclusion. What is the best, right? We read all the books. The, is the best answer yes or no? Listen, that actually is not even very important. What is far more important in parenting is unity between the spouses. You can get the answers all wrong as long as you guys are getting them wrong together you will be much more successful in your parenting. And I have to say that because this is the way it goes. In, a, in any home, you'll have one parent that, uh, you know, maybe you, you just read a good book about parenting or you were just in a great Bible study about parenting and I, I've got the answer, right? But the other spouse has a different opinion and so now you're gonna have conflict about which way it should be. Should we allow them to do this or not do that? Well, I believe the better answer is but the problem is, is now you are separated in your opinion and in your approach and your children see that. Unity is crucial if you want to raise healthy children. In our home, if Rachel makes a judgment that I don't agree with or if I make a judgment she doesn't agree with. Listen, if it's not dangerous or deadly or harmful, you know what I do about it? I keep my mouth shut. If we're together and one of the kids and Rachel says no or this is that or you're in trouble because of this, as long as I don't believe that it's grossly immoral, illegal, or damaging, I keep my mouth shut. Later, we can talk about it. 
And the same is true. There's been many times Rachel's come to me. She's talked to me, listen, I saw such and such. Can you explain why? Why is that? Right? And, and we may, maybe I'll be able to explain it to her so that she understands, or maybe I will recognize that I was wrong. But the crucial thing is that when one of the parents is correcting one of the children or giving instruction, the children should not often hear the other parent contradicting them. Because if that is the case, you're going to have a heck of a time trying to raise those kids. Unity is crucial. So that's why I said that children can intentionally create conflict or division between a marriage. Your children need to know that you stand together regardless. All the time, you must have unity in your parenting. The third uh, uh, place where we see potential for division uh, created by children in the marriage is there is division by attention demands. Now listen, I don't believe that this is usually evil, but children can demand so much from the mother and the father, whether it's time or emotion or just investment, that it naturally causes parents to separate, right? It just creates a wedge of separation. You spend so much time raising your kids, you forget that you're supposed to be friends and lovers. You're just a mom and a dad. And if you get to the place where you're only parents and you're no longer married people, you're in trouble. I watch. Now, listen, I get, you know, I'm, I'm scanning. I hate saying things when they're, you know, I think I'm safe this morning. I watch families where, you know, you see, you know, mom and dad and then all the kids, right? But then you see sometimes, you know, mom and one kid and the dad and then the rest. And then you see mom and two kids and the dad. I always wonder, what's going on? What's happening? Isn't she still your sweetie? Don't you still want to sit next to her? I mean, I, I get sometimes, if you've got a really strong kid, maybe you need to get him in between you to double team him. Right? You know, one of you got him by the ear, you got him in a headlock. Listen to this sermon. Okay. But it's a fitting visual metaphor for what happens in a lot of people's lives. You've allowed the children to just simply come between you. You're no longer friends and companions and lovers. You're just parents and you happen to live together. And I think technically you're married. I've watched parents who reorganize their entire lives around their children. Again, I don't believe that's evil, but I definitely do not believe that it is helpful. There's a couple we uh, had a relationship with in India. They had gone there to be missionaries. And uh, I wasn't very close to them. We just kind of talked. You know, when they first got there, I went with the guy. Hey, let's, I'm going to help you find a building because I'd been there for a while. And everywhere we went looking for a building, he's like, I don't know. You know, I, I got to talk to, and it was his daughter. I got to ask, you know, I got to check. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm missing something here, right? And so finally what it boiled down to, they had gone to India to be missionaries, but they were not going to choose where they were going to put their church until they found a school that their daughter liked. Once they found a school that their daughter liked, then okay, then we'll put the church over here. Now, I don't think you, this should, should surprise you. That church never even got started. 
But I've seen that on smaller scales. I've seen parents, they rearrange their work life so that their kids can either go to this school they want to go to or be in the sport that they want to be involved in. They'll move into an entirely new location because that's where their kids want to be. Excuse me, who is in charge here? The kids, obviously. <laughs> but it shouldn't be that way. And so... If you start rearranging your life around the demands of the children, you're, this is what we see, is we are now becoming parents more than married people. The, the, I'm going to talk about this later on this morning, but the marriage comes before the children. Always. When parents are shelving every plan or desire or even ministry in order to cater to the child's need, I pastored a family one time, great people, they wanted to be involved. The wife could never be involved in ministry. Finally, you know, why, what's going on? Well, you know, on Monday, I'm going to take, you know, uh, him to soccer practice. Then right when he's done, I'm picking her up from ballet. And then on Tuesday, I've got to go over and they're going to do this. And then on Thursday, and she wanted, she's a great lady, wanted to be involved, but her kids ruled and dominated her life to the point that everything else was excluded very common in marriage counseling. If it's the husband that asks for marriage counseling rather than the wife, uh, most often the complaint I get is the husband says he feels like he's second place behind the children. And that's why we're counseling. So time demands can create division in the home. And then of course, uh, division can be brought by blended families. You know, the reality of life is we have families that are blended, right? You have children from other relationships or other marriages. You bring them into the home. This can create conflict. Uh, if it's not handled correctly, this can turn into a crisis because you have parents that are uh, playing favorites in how they approach uh, the different children, etc. So here are some of the ways where we find that children can create division in the marriage. Let's talk for a moment about the consequences of division. The consequences of division. Two things. This is going to hurt your kids and this is going to hurt your marriage. If you allow your children to create division in the home, first and foremost, foremost this will hurt your children in the long run. In our scripture that we read, it's uh, Isaac and Rebecca, they are scheming uh, against each other rather than working together for the good of their family. In their case, it literally tears the family apart. The one brother steals from the other. Then he wants to kill him, so he runs away. Uh, 20 plus years of separation. The brothers lose their relationship for two decades. Now Jacob no longer has relationship with his father or his mother. He's losing out on the blessing of being with his father. Esau is stewing in bitterness. Listen, if you allow your children to bring any kind of division in your marriage, the first ones to pay the price are your children. Even though... Sometimes we try to tell ourselves it's in our child's best interest. No, 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 listen, Pastor, you know, um, we're just focusing on the kids right now. We'll deal with the marriage later. We're just, we just really want to help them. You are not helping them. You are cursing them. 
Children who get their own way don't adapt well to society, right? And if you, if you want to look for some evidence of that, just ask Brother Daryl if you can accompany him uh, on the, in the prison ministry. Because the prison is full of people who, when they were young, got their own way. They, they were allowed to rule the home. They were in charge, whether dad was there or if it was just mom. Listen, children who get their own way don't adapt well to society. It took Jacob more than 20 years to figure out how to talk peaceably to his brother. That's a problem. Anything that it takes you 20 years to figure out, that's kind of an issue, right? He simply could not function in his family. Why? Because his mother protected him from all correction and discipline. He got whatever he wanted, and, and it, it blew up the family. Number two, if you and your spouse allow division in your marriage, your kids will have a twisted view of marriage. They're going to internalize that. Interesting, people ask me about my kids. Why do your kids all want to get married so young? Because the marriage that they're the most familiar with is a very happy one. They look at that and they think, I want that. But not all kids have that view. If your kids are able to create division between you and your spouse, they're going to grow up with a twisted view of marriage. They won't be very excited about it. And then very, very uh, tragic, but children of divided spouses often struggle to find meaningful direction in life. Genesis 28, verses 6 to 9. Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and that, he, that as he blessed him, he gave him a child, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and had gone to Paddan Arab. Also, Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, to be his wife in addition to the wives he had. Fascinating when you consider what's happening here. So these, these two men, they're raised by a mother and father. The, the big, you know, the big blow up that happens later in life. They're, they're essentially adults at that point. But what's interesting is this little snapshot into their family. Esau was the one that stayed at home. He was still with his father. And yet his father had never once ever spoken to him about the important issues of life. In this text, it's about marriage. Apparently, Jacob, uh, uh, sorry, Isaac felt very strongly, do not marry these kinds of people. He felt very strongly about that, but he never told Esau that. He only told who? Isaac. Uh, sorry, I'm getting these, these, these too many names. Jacob, Rebecca's favorite, right? He's the only one that ever got the, the direction from dad. Listen, Kids, I've watched this over time, kids that grow up in these kinds of homes where the mother and the father aren't in agreement, they really struggle to get any kind of meaningful direction because mom and dad aren't on the same page, right? My kids know if they ask Rachel or me a question, they're going to get the same answer, right? One might uh, use different words or might be told in a different way, but they're going to get the same answer. And so direction is clear in our home. What we... Now, believe about them. 
uh, our confidence in their future, our, our uh, faith in them, our rules and expectations, it's clear. But when children can divide a husband and wife, that direction gets very cloudy, very muddy. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, I think dad says this, but I don't know what mom wants. And so, listen, if you allow division in your home, first, this is going to hurt your children. But then, understand, this is going to damage your marriage in profound ways. Now, I've made a statement before. I, I've said it in various different ways. But I say uh, to my kids, I loved your mother long before I loved you, and I will love her long after you're gone, right? And everyone's like, yeah, amen. People are like, uh-huh, Pastor Heinberg. But the problem is, is for a lot of people, that's just not true. You would like it to be true, but it's not. There's a lot of marriages that cannot honestly claim that. Because now, if we were to do an honest examination, you are legally married, but what you really are is you're just co-parents. You live together, you parent these kids together, you know, you hopefully sleep in the same bed. But you've devolved to the point where you're really just parents and you're no longer married people. For a lot of people, the empty nest or when the kids move out, it's a crisis that they simply cannot survive. When the children are gone, they suddenly have no reason to be together. When you got married, there was a lot, there was a lot of reasons to be together, right? <laughs> right? Maybe her dad was chasing you with a shotgun, whatever. There's a lot of reasons to be together. But now you're just parents. And when the kids move out and there's no one to parent, then what? And it's a crisis that a lot of people don't survive. You've changed from friends and from spouses and lovers to parents. And not much more than simply parents. And along the way, the marriage died. Listen, if you're just parents, what happens when there's nobody left to parent? What is your marriage going to look like? It's a question worth answering. So here's the marriage principle, and we'll, we'll reinforce this in just a few minutes, but every decision you make, whether it's parenting or financial or whatever, every decision must consider the long-term. And can I let you in on a secret? The long-term future of my marriage doesn't include my children. They will have their own future, but that's not my future. The future of my marriage is me and Rachel, and only us. And so I have to make decisions for the sanctity and the safety of my marriage because if I don't, it's going to cause a crisis. I want to have a happy marriage until Jesus returns. Can you say amen? So here's what I'm talking about if you're joining us late. A very simple marriage principle. Your children can't come between you. So let's talk finally about building a marriage that survives parenting and hopefully we'll have uh, some time uh, for questions at the end. Building a marriage that survives parenting. The first thing you have to do is you have to fight against division. Now, obviously, we could talk about a lot of things about division, of course, relationship skills, etc. But in, in the context of parenting... The most important place you're going to have to fight against this is in the arena of discipline. The discipline of your children. You've got to fight against division. You must 
find a common ground. Now, like I said before, it doesn't have to be perfect. You might have in your mind what you believe is the absolute perfect way to raise and discipline children. That's fine, wonderful, great. But maybe your spouse has a different idea. You don't have to get it right. You have to get it the same. That is the most important thing. Now, of course, there are biblical principles. I, if, if you want to go back on YouTube, I did a whole series on uh, parenting. We talked about discipline for, uh, for maybe a couple of weeks, if I remember correctly. But you have to find common ground. In other words, you and your spouse need to discuss discipline. Discuss what the rules are. Find some common ground. Discuss the punishment. My pastor taught me a long time ago that in life, wisdom, the greatest wisdom, is decisions made in advance. Because it's hard to make decisions in a crisis, isn't it? Has anyone ever had something scary happen and you just freeze, right? Someone just, oh, and you just freeze? Or you scream like a girl? No, you don't have to admit that, but we know it's true, right? <laughs> one, of my, one of my older boys, uh, one time, I forget what the context was, uh, but for a period of time, if you would scare him, he would start running full speed in place. He wasn't going anywhere. It's like the cartoons. He's running, not going anywhere. See, we're not good at making decisions in a moment of crisis. That's not wise. That's why you make decisions in advance. When our children were growing up, we talked about dating. Rachel and I, we talked about what are the rules going to be? What, what are we going to expect of them? We didn't wait until the first time someone said, hey, I like someone. <gasps> so wisdom is decisions made in advance. Parents, or maybe one day you will be parents, you need to talk about discipline before you need to discipline. Right? If they break the rule, and I told them, what is the punishment? You need to discuss these things. And so this is how you fight against division. Let me give you um, uh, some advice. You need, to, uh, you need to make some rules about how your children handle discipline. Uh, you need to, you know, we, we have a very simple rule in our house. It's been as long as we've been parents, almost 22 years now. And that is that if you ask one parent a question and they answer you and you don't like the answer, if you ask the second parent, you immediately get a spanking just for asking just for asking. Now, if one of my children asks Rachel something and she gives an answer that I don't necessarily agree with and they come and ask me and all the children will tell you, I've asked, did you already ask your mom? Well, yeah, you go to your room. It doesn't matter if I agree with it. The principle is once one parent has said something, that's the law. You don't get to ask. And that is how you fight against division. Because if your children know that they can you know, they can appeal to the other parent, then they will forever. And trust me, your life is going to be very tiring. They're going to appeal every decision. No, that was just free. I don't even think that's in my notes. I just threw that out there for free. So you have to fight against division in discipline. You fight against uh, this, of course, in intentional conflict, right? You, you do not allow these things to happen. And then you need to fight in the supernatural understand the enemy hates godly families he despises it 
Because a godly family with a husband and a wife and children being raised in church, that is the building block of a sane society. And the devil despises that. He will do anything he can to break your family down. You need to fight back. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So you need to identify the spirit of conflict in your home. Fight against it. Pray against it. Point it out. There's times uh, when you have to say, wait a minute, this isn't normal. There's been times in our home when, you know, that the tensions are high or it's chaos. When uh, someone has said, wait a minute, hold on. This isn't normal. This isn't okay. We don't normally argue like this. It's normally not a shouting match all the time. This is wrong. We're going to pray against this. So you fight against division. Number two, if you want to build a marriage that survives parenting, you need to remember your priorities. Your priorities, your number one priority in life is your relationship with God. Long before anything else, long before your spouse, long before your children, your extended family, your children need you to be right with God more than anything else. You know what? They need you to be right with God more than they need you to spend time with them. Now, I want to make sure you heard what I said. Because I did not say that you don't need to spend time with them. That's false. You need to spend time with your kids. And they need that. But they need you to be right with God more than they need time with you. What good is spending time with them if you are corrupt, if you're rotten on the inside? Your relationship with God must be your number one priority in all of life. My second lesson in this series was about righteousness. Listen, righteousness must reign in the home. So here is the principle. You should never compromise any issue of righteousness for the sake of your children. Oh, pastor, I really want to go to church, but you know what? You know, Mijito, he's got, uh, he's, got, uh, he's got to study, right? We can't be there. He needs this. We've got practice. You know what? The other day I was so pleased to see. We were on outreach on Tuesday night over in Freedom Park. And um, I, I was, we we're just outreaching. I wasn't paying attention, but I was concerned. There was someone in uh, Ashton and Danielle's car. And I, so I just saw this. I was like, wait a minute. Do they know someone's in their car? And so I went in. Oh, it was LaVondre. He was doing some schoolwork. And I thought, thank God. This is a family that gets it. They weren't like, oh, we can't go to outreach. He's got schoolwork to do. No, we're going to outreach, and you're doing your schoolwork, Home Slice. That's, that is some grade-A parenting right there. Uh-oh. Some of y'all don't like that. It's okay. It's still true. Think about what you teach your children every time you deprioritize the kingdom of God for their needs. Oh, Oh, you don't feel good? You're tired? You've got an exam tomorrow? We won't go to church tonight. It's okay. What are you actually teaching them? You, listen, you think that what you're teaching your children is, wow, my parents really love me and they care about me. That's not what you're teaching them. You're teaching them, wow, my parents really don't think church is that important. And so when you come to me when they're 19, 25, 30, and you're like, pastor, my kid's life is a mess. Listen, 
you program that into them. So, number one, you prioritize your relationship with God. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You get the kingdom first, and all these things will be added unto you. I can tell you from experience, you put God first, your kids will turn out okay. I've drugged my children all over the world to every outreach, every conference, every revival, every concert, every event, uh, and they've done just fine. All right, I've got kids that are married and are parents that are good parents, that are in the church serving God, working good jobs, successful in life and happy. Listen, you put God first, your kids are going to be okay. So your number one priority is your relationship with God. Your number two priority is your relationship with your spouse. Your children need you to be, uh, your marriage to be healthy more then they need you to satisfy their demands. Obviously, I'm speaking about married parents. I understand there are parents that you're not married. I'm sorry, and that's unfortunate. I'm not talking about you at the moment. But for married parents, what your kids need more than anything is your marriage to be healthy. Far more than they need that extra five minutes of FaceTime with you. They, they need your marriage to be healthy and to work. Proverbs 5, 18. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. It's talking about uh, something that's happening over time. Right? The wife of your youth, but they're not young any longer. And he's saying you can be blessed in your marriage, in your marriage relationship, and, and you'll be, it's a fountain, it's something that flows. We intentionally take time apart from our children. We go on dates, whether it's for one hour or for an evening or a couple of days if possible. We get away from our children to go be with each other and be married people without all of the other stuff. You know why? It's for the kids. When I go out on a date with my wife, that's an investment in my children. You don't need to apologize for that. A lot of parents are like, oh, I'm so sorry. Listen, would you please, please let me talk to your dad for 10? I'm sorry, I won't be back. I'll be back. I'll then I'll read you your favorite story. I promise, I promise, I promise. Don't apologize to them. You know what they need? Is they need you to turn around and go be with your husband or your wife for some time. Be happy with them. Invest in the relationship, rekindle uh, the romance, the friendship, the companionship. I consider it a favor that I do to my children when I invest in my wife. I'm not robbing them by investing in my marriage. So this is my second priority, is my marriage. And it ought to be with you. The more you love your spouse, the more you can bring into the home. The more you love your spouse, the more peace you have in your home. The more joy, the more your children can be comfortable. And listen, children in a home with loving parents, they have much less anxiety in life because they're not worried about it. They're not every day thinking, I wonder, uh, you know, is mom leaving? Is dad leaving? There's a peace there. So this is your second priority. And then, of course, your third priority is your relationship with your children. You have to invest in this, right? Remember, your children are people. They're not products, right? 
You know, we have a lot of children, right? We, I feel like I should stamp them. Heimberg, number five, right? They're not products. They are people. You need to invest in your relationship with them. But remember that your relationship with your children flows out of the other two. You can love and you can support and you can nurture your children only to the extent that you have a healthy relationship with God and with your spouse. Take time to invest in them. But the third uh, key for uh, building a marriage that survives parenting is remember your future. You know, my children are going to live with me for a long time, but not forever. Right? The time is going to come uh, when they'll move on. My vows were made to Rachel. I, I have not made any vows to any of my children, right? Before God and, and, and earth, I make a promise to you that I've never done that. My vow was to my wife. When each of my kids gets old and moves out and says goodbye, that's difficult, right? We just had to say goodbye to Kate. I tell you, that, that was a rough night. That wasn't exciting. It wasn't enjoyable. But you know what? I will get over it. I, it still is, is a bit emotional for me, but I'm going to get over it. Right? I got over it when the boys moved out. Right? We'll text. We'll call. We'll FaceTime. But you know what I won't get over? Is if my marriage devolves to the point where there's nothing left between us. Where we're just parents in a home. My future is with my wife. Listen to me, married people. Your future is with your spouse, not your kids. Your kids, if you raise them right, they'll go on to a wonderful, beautiful future in God, but they are not your future. Your future is with your spouse. Don't let kids come between you and your spouse. All right, we're going to stop there. We've got just a couple of minutes for questions. If you've got a question on the subject... Raise your hand. Or maybe I should pull an altar call. That's kind of what I'm feeling like at the moment. You got a question. Okay, Jonathan. Uh, Pastor, with that uh, hierarchy you mentioned about um, your relationship with God and your spouse, then your children. Mm -hmm. If, like, you know, society has programmed us to believe that our identity is interwoven into our role as parents and that supersedes everything because of care and love, how do you help a couple who their hierarchy of priority is now turned upside down where the kids are? Well, uh, you, you, have to, you have to remind yourself of these things, right? The, the reason I'm teaching this is because what you're saying is so. The world has told us differently, right? The world has told us you need to put your kids before everything, right? And then the world is perplexed why everyone's getting divorced, right? So this is, that, that is the issue, what you're asking. That's the key issue, and it's, it's rehearsal and reminding, because it's very easy, it's instinctive even, uh, that we would uh, put our kids first, right? We begin to think, oh, what about this, and what about that? And you get all these concerns, you know, as your kids get older, the concerns just get bigger and larger. And so you have to remind yourself, wait a minute, hold on. We can sort this out tomorrow, but tonight, I'm just going to be a husband. 
right? I'm going to deal with this issue later. And so it's a constant reminder. Very good. What else? Okay, Cherie. Pastor, how do you advise a couple who, like in South Africa, we have a cultural belief where um, we send our kids over to our, the grandmother in KZN. It is said that the grandmothers raise the kids until they are a certain age, maybe teenagers. Right. This is for the husband and wife to focus on their marriage and building their lives. What do you say to a couple that comes to the church like that? It's not biblical, and it's, it's selfish and foolish, in my opinion. Is that concise enough? <laughs> you are still the parent, right? Nobody else is. YouTube isn't the parent, and neither is Granny. You, because at the end of the day, the parents are the ones that God will hold accountable for how they were raised. So, okay, Danielle. Daniel. So, Pastor, what then? If if you have somebody in your life and you know um, they are parents, right? But you're trying to help them along, but like you're saying, they are the parent. How can you help but not overstep? You're saying trying to help other parents? Yeah. You know, giving advice unsolicited is like grabbing a dog by the ears, right? You're going to get bit. I don't give advice unsolicited, only if people ask. So that's not a, like a doctrine. That's just kind of my approach to life. So. Okay. Shannon, this is the row, right? This is the row for questions. Natasha, you better think of one quick. <laughs> so, Pastor, I actually had my aunt ask me a question the other day. Uh-huh. Um, regarding a son, I mean, these, these are people that, that has been together longer than us. Okay. The kids are older than our kids. And the only thing I could, I could tell really was, you know, because her son did, like, something out of character. And I told her, but, you know, this is the reason, you know, I would advise you guys to surrender to Jesus and come to church, not just for yourself, but for your family. Right. I mean, and I'm just you teaching this lesson, you know, it is so incredible because what, what, what would happen with, with my aunt and her husband is they, they do things separately. And now she's asking me, I told her, there's no, there's no way I, you can ask me to come and discipline your child. I'm still learning right. myself. I'm supposed to learn from you. You know what? I told her, you deal with your son, you and your husband together. And then maybe afterward, come and speak to me and let's see what you've done. And then I'll just speak to him f- further from mm-hmm. there. You know, but I'm, I'm so encouraged by your lesson. It makes a person see how we lack in the foundation of what marriage is supposed to be, what the family structure is supposed to be, what parenting is supposed to be. And right. what advice would you give like, like, uh, uh, for us to really reinforce the foundation of serving God, the kingdom, marriage, and our children, you know, and, and just getting more of that in us, if I may put it that way. Well, it's, it's this lesson, right, and all the others. I don't, I don't know about anything else I can add to it, but if you keep God first in your home. so All right, that's all the time we got. We're going to break. Our service begins.